Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TMNT Club. Here's a bit of a remix for you. I hope you like it. <clears throat> One, two, three... Teenage, Mutant, Ninja, Turtles. Teenage, Mutant, Ninja, Turtles. They're heroes in a half shell. Turtle power. They're the world's most fearsome fighting team. They're heroes in a half shell. And they're green. Okay, I put way too much effort into putting together that intro, but what can I say? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles became an intricate part of my childhood and millions of other children all over the world. What started as a simple sketch one night evolved into comic books, then toys, then a television show, and so much more. That is what we will be discussing today, the history and current status of the most famous group of reptiles, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So grab your pizza, your weapon of choice, and your ninja skills. Here we go. Oh, and thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by, and in memory of, my big sister Rebecca, and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I'm your captain aboard the Ninja Turtle Van. Get it? Only real fans will. Anyways, you are tuning into episode number 50. That's right, episode number 50. It feels like yesterday I was just starting the show, and now here we are. Whenever I hear the word 50, all I can think about is that old SNL sketch where Molly Shannon plays a character named Sally O'Malley who likes to tell everyone that she is 50, 50 years old. Anyways, today's show was suggested by a friend and former colleague, Cherie. She and I worked together really well for many years, and I imagine a lot of that could be attributed to our mutual love of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And on that note, let's get back to the show. The creation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is all thanks to two artists named Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. One evening in 1983 in Northampton, Massachusetts, the two men were sitting around and brainstorming different things to draw, different concepts, and so on and so forth. Eastman drew a turtle that was standing up like a human. The turtle was wearing a mask and was carrying a weapon, a blade of some sort like a machete or a katana. They both had a good laugh to themselves when they envisioned the normally slow turtle suddenly being able to fight at a fast pace with a weapon, no less. After several hours had passed, the two artists had created four different turtles. They dubbed the group the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
The turtles were named Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, and Leonardo. They also drew out sketches for Shredder, the villain. His costume was inspired by a metal cheese grater, of all things. The concept eventually evolved into a comic book, which was self-published by Laird and Eastman, who had managed to scrape together a few thousand dollars. The first comic book was incredibly successful after 3,000 initial copies were sold. More were requested by vendors. The first comic book cost just $1.50 at the time. If you were to buy that now, it would cost you several thousand dollars. The premise of the story behind the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is that a group of baby turtles had accidentally been dropped into a sewer. A truck drove by, it was carrying some toxic chemicals, and the chemicals spilled out from the truck, draining into the sewer where the turtles were. The turtles then mutated into human-like turtles who could stand and who were super strong. A rat named Splinter was also in the sewer. He sort of took them under his wing and trained the four turtles to be ninjas. They would soon be fighting against an evil villain named Shredder, we just talked about, and his crew of his own ninjas, the Foot Clan. The initial comic book stories were much more intense than what most people likely remember about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the toys and cartoon TV series. In the comics, the turtles were a lot more violent and aggressive and had uh, potty mouths. Let's be real. Noting the popularity of the comic book about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a businessman and licensing agent named Mark Friedman approached the two creators and offered them a deal to create toys and a television series. In the 1980s, many children's action figures were created by corporations like Mattel and Hasbro. He-Man and G.I. Joe, if you remember those two, were both created by corporations. Laird and Eastman agreed to a deal, and soon the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would expand beyond local comic book stores. When Playmates came onto the scene, they're the ones that were going to be developing the toy, they wanted to change the turtles' image a bit. They made the foursome obsessed with pizza and replaced their potty mouths with catchphrases like Kawabunga and Turtle Power. They also made the story's villains, Shredder and the Foot Clan, less aggressive and more sort of absent-minded. Further, the turtles were also given their own color scheme, which was displayed on a mask as well as elbow and knee pads. The hope was that by focusing on colors, people wouldn't focus on weapons as much. They also softened the intensity of the turtles and gave them personalities. The hope was to make them more appealing to not only young children, but also their parents. Leonardo was given a blue mask and blue accents. He was looked at as sort of the leader of the group. Part of that may have had to do with the fact that he was the oldest turtle. He is very committed and dedicated to the study of martial arts. His weapon is a sword. Michelangelo was given orange accents. He is the light-hearted, addicted-to-pizza member of the group. He's a bit immature compared to the other turtles, but he means well. He likes to read comic books, and his weapon is nunchucks. Raphael was given a red mask and accents. He is a very serious fighter and loyal brother to the other turtles. He can be irritable and short-tempered at times. His weapon is a pair of scythes, which are essentially small swords with three sharp points on each. Donatello has a purple mask and accents. He is the inventor and creative genius of the group. He is not as quick to fight as the others. His weapon is a bow, which is a large wooden stick. Between the extensive training they receive from Splinter, coupled with the toxic chemicals they get doused with, the turtles have superhuman strength and skill. The cartoon debuted in 1987 and ran for an incredible 10 years. Fun fact, the voice of Shredder on the show was none other than James Avery, a.k.a. Uncle Phil, from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's pretty cool. 
Like so many cartoons at the time, and this probably holds true today, the show was basically a, uh, you know, half-hour commercial for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. And let's just say, that method was incredibly effective. In addition to action figures, which I had a ton of and still have several, there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal. We need kids our power pack new cereal. But Shredder wants it. We must take that power. Yeah, when we have it. Let's give it to him. Oh, no. Ninja Mutt. Down, down, dude. It's Crunchy Ninja Net with Ninja Marshmallow. A power pack crunch. Part of your balance breakfast. Hey, great. Wow, we crunch. Video games, play sets like a sewer hideout for the turtles, and live-action movies. More on some of that in a minute. You could even purchase Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pajamas, which I thankfully had a pair of. They were blue, and I loved them. I believe there are a few photos of me wearing them floating around somewhere, including on New Year's Eve. There were also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle trading cards, which I kept protected in a binder and traded with my friends and probably my cousins. There were also Pez dispensers, fanny packs, t-shirts, cups, stickers, lunchboxes, you name it. In the first four years of selling Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures, Playmates sold about $1 billion worth of them. The company would go on to create over 400 different figures. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fever had officially begun and the only prescription was more Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In 1989, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game for the Nintendo Entertainment System was released. It was one of the most difficult games of all time, but also one of the best-selling. We had that game, and I remember playing it all the time, but never managing to get very far, which applied with me playing pretty much any game and my sister. But anyways, the game had some very memorable music, which I can still hear in my head when I think about it. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have been featured in dozens of video games since their first release across all different gaming systems. Burger King got in on the fever by releasing four different VHS tapes, which were compilations of several episodes of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They were titled Sky Turtles, The Great Boldini, April Foolish, and Invasion of the Turtle Snatchers. The videos were separate from their kids' meals and featured an advertisement for the Burger King Kids Club at the start. This incarnation of the Kids Club could be found at your local Burger King from 1990 to 1999. By joining the Kids Club, you could get a membership card, a free meal on your birthday, and a crap ton of junk mail. Or rather, junk food mail. (sighs) The first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live-action movie was released in 1990. The costumes for the Turtles were designed by creative genius Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Said costumes were technologically advanced. A puppeteer would wear a headset that had sensors on it which would match the turtle's facial expressions with the puppeteers. A joystick controlled the eyes, and a special glove controlled the opening and closing of the turtle's mouth. This would be one of the last projects that Henson would work on before passing in May of that year. 
The film was directed by Steve Barron, who was also responsible for directing the music video for Billie Jean by Michael Jackson, and one of my all-time favorite music videos and songs, Take On Me by Aha, which I can play a rousing rendition of on the acoustic guitar, I might add. Anyways, the premise of the movie is pretty predictable. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are trying to protect residents of New York City from dangerous ninjas and criminals who are stealing, mugging people, starting fires, etc. The film had a very dark and ominous tone to it. I believe a lot of the scenes are night scenes, if I'm remembering correctly. There is a ton of violent fighting in the movie. Innocent people and one of the turtles gets knocked unconscious, and the uh, evil villain Shredder hits Splinter, who is chained to a gate, by the way, really hard across his furry face and then proceeds to hold one of his spikes on his hand weapon up to Splinter's chin, threatening to hurt him further. Sounds like the perfect film for an elementary student, am I right? Oh, and let's not forget how Shredder and his despicable crew somehow convince a group of lost teenage boys to commit crimes for them and hang out in their underground hideout, which includes video games, a skateboard ramp, live music, and access to cigarette cigars, and the chance to gamble on various games. What 10-year-old doesn't want to play billiards while smoking a cigar or learn how to create graffiti with spray paint? That sounds like fun. That Shredder is a pretty cool guy. Or not. Side note, I thought this underground hideout looked so awesome. Apparently, I was young and impressionable as a kid as well. I thought running away from home and going to some cool underground thing where you could skateboard and drink soda and stay up all night, I thought that sounded pretty awesome. Now, I would be terrible. Anyways, I can't believe that I was allowed to watch this movie in hindsight, but I imagine my parents thought it was going to be similar to the cartoon on TV, which clearly it wasn't. It will be a very, very long time before I let my kids watch this movie, if ever, and uh, I'm not kidding. And back to the hideout for a second. These segments featuring said hideout were filmed in North Carolina in an abandoned cement factory, the same spot that was used in the film The Crow, which we discussed on an earlier episode of the show. The location was where Top Dollar's nightclub was in that movie. The movie starred the four turtles, of course, but also April, a news reporter who befriends the turtles. She was played by actress Judith Hogue. Apparently, she was a bit difficult to work with. She reportedly hated the yellow jumpsuit she was supposed to wear, like the television character does, and she struggled with the filming schedule, and she was uncomfortable with all the violence in the movie. I'm sensing a theme here. Elias Codius played Casey Jones. He, too, wanted to fight crime and criminals in New York City and does so via sports equipment like baseball bats and golf clubs while wearing a hockey mask. Shredder was played by James Saito, and Master Tatsu, Shredder's right-hand man, was played by Toshihiro Obata. Regarding the casting of the Turtles, in many instances, one actor would be doing the movements in the costume while another would provide the voice. For example, Leif Tilden played Donatello while Corey Feldman provided the voice. David Foreman played Leonardo, but Brian Tochi provided the voice. Michael Insisti played Michelangelo, but he was voiced by Robbie Rist. And finally, Ken Scott, who was a martial artist played by Raphael, who was then voiced by Joss Pay. Side note, did you know that Shredder was voiced by Kevin Clash? Clash once provided the voice and was the puppeteer for Elmo, arguably one of the most famous puppets of all time. He played Elmo from 1984 to 2012. Elmo and Shredder. That's a very impressive repertoire, I must say. 
The film's budget was $13.5 million and earned over $200 million at the box office. Despite the film's incredible success, it was heavily criticized for a number of important reasons, ones that I was completely oblivious to as a kid, but now completely agree with as an adult. First, there has been a lot of criticism for all the villains being Asian and fulfilling a lot of stereotypes about how Asian people act, dress, etc. And related to that, in one scene, April is approached by the Foot Clan. She can tell that they are up to something suspicious, so to sort of break the tension, she says... What, did I fall behind on my Sony payments or something? Sony being a Japanese company, of course. Also, as I mentioned, the film was incredibly violent, especially for a movie aimed at kids. Jim Henson really struggled with all the violence. He felt like it was really pointless and unnecessary. He was correct. The film was actually not shown in theaters in Asia because they felt like the movie was making a joke and a mockery out of martial arts. Which it was. Finally, director Steve Barron was fired toward the end of filming due to concerns that the filming was becoming too dark. Absolutely. Also in 1990, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did a live stage show tour and performed songs like Coming Out of Our Shell and Pizza Power. An album was created from the songs from the show and was released on cassette. The album went three times platinum. I'm not kidding. I imagine there were a lot of parents who wanted to throw that cassette tape out of the window when they were traveling with their kids in their Chrysler LeBaron or their Ford Tempo. So annoying, that song. I imagine Pizza Power to the parents of the 90s is the baby shark of today. Apparently, the stage show was promoted on the Oprah Winfrey show. In addition to the stage show tour, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles also had their own show at Walt Disney World at MGM Studios, now Hollywood Studios, which ran from 1990 to 1995. The show again involved dancing, singing, and showing off impressive ninja skills to audiences. I watched a few clips, and I'm amazed at how well the performers could move around with those large, heavy costumes on. I wonder if any of the performers turtled, meaning falling on their backs on the shell and not being able to get up. I've done that a couple times with hiking backpacks. Anyways, there have been many sequels to the cartoon series and original live-action movie based around the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was Secret of the Ooze in 1991, which included a rap performed by Vanilla Ice called Ninja Rap. In 1993, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 was released. Both of the sequels did not do nearly as well as the original film. I remember when me and my sister were in high school every year, our school held some events that tied in with Homecoming. And maybe your school did this too. Each class had to come up with some type of theme for their group to go along with their assigned colors. I'm probably remembering this incorrectly, but when we were in school, I think freshmen were maybe purple, sophomores were orange or yellow, juniors were green, and seniors were maybe red, um, something like that. Everybody had their own color. I cannot remember for the life of me what our class theme was around the color purple, but my sister's class coined themselves the Teenage Mutant Ninja Juniors, which I think was an incredibly genius theme. Everyone, of course, dressed up in green, some like turtles or camouflage, and a picture of their class was printed in the local newspaper. We went to a huge high school, so there were hundreds of students in each grade. On the wooden bleachers sat hundreds of kids from the class of 1999, and one student stood out among the rest. My sister, dressed in green, with a purple wig on. It was a bob with bangs, and one that she wore on occasion and pulled off quite well, I might add. 
Another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action series ran from 1997 to 1998, but it was short-lived because it was strongly disliked by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles creators and fans. Yet another cartoon series ran from 2003 to 2009, and Nickelodeon ran a CGI Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show from 2012 to 2017. In 2014, another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live-action movie was released. In 2016, yet another film entitled Out of the Shadows was released. From 2018 to 2020, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ran on TV. An animated film, Batman vs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, was released in 2019. There continues to be more movies and TV series in the works. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has been a part of pop culture for over 30 years and they don't show signs of slowing down anytime soon. Feeling burnt out after having been involved with the development of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for so many years, Eastman sold his share of the franchise to Laird in the late 1990s and early 2000s. I wasn't able to figure out the exact numbers on how much he sold his shares for, but I don't think it was for as much as you might expect. In 2009, however, Laird showed his share to Nickelodeon for $60 million. You can learn more about Eastman and Laird's incredible story on a Netflix documentary entitled The Toys That Made Us. There is an episode specifically devoted to the world's most famous clan of turtles, and I've seen it. It's very good. I believe it's still on there. You should definitely check it out. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles still has a following with their toys and merchandise. You can still purchase figurines, including re-releases of the first generation, which, again, I still have several originals to this day. You can also find Funko Pops and sets of one Ninja Turtle and one character from the Netflix series Cobra Kai which is really random, but I guess since both shows involve martial arts, perhaps someone felt there should be a mashup toy? Hard to say. Who knew that what started as a few sketches nearly 40 years ago would evolve into one of the most successful toy and media products of all time? Apparently, those mutant ninjas really do have turtle power. I hope you've enjoyed this look back at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I've said about 5,000 times in this episode, a comic book series turned toys, turned television show, turned movie, and back again through all of those outlets. The foursome doesn't look to be slowing down anytime soon, and it seems like even more generations of kids will have the opportunity to become fans. One of my proudest moments in my professional career came when we were trying to organize our office at a residential treatment program I used to work at. Since we dealt with so many confidential documents, we needed a way to destroy paperwork that was no longer needed. So, behind one of the office doors, we had a large box that we could put said documents into so that they could be shredded. I made sure we had a picture of Shredder, the villain, on the shredder, okay? I have never been so proud of myself, and I don't think I'll ever live up to that accomplishment again. That was so genius. My sister was very supportive of my obsession with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She definitely watched the live-action movie with me more than once, and as an adult, she gifted me with some trading cards of the turtles and some miniature figurines, which were on the shelf in my office for many years. I hope you'll join me for my next show, where we will be discussing the history of slime, the green substance that seemingly dropped out of nowhere on many a Nickelodeon show in the 80s and 90s. Until then... Be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories.